there's other sightings of a creature like Loch Ness in other areas. United States, South Africa, Asia. You can find them pretty much anywhere. But what are they? Well, let's get back to Champ, shall we? The indigenous people that have long lived and hunted near Lake Champlain, the Abenaki and the Iroquois, have their own legends about a large creature inhabiting the lake, which looked a lot like a large horned serpent or snake. The Abenaki term for this creature is Gitsakug. Now, in the early 18th century, Abenakis warned French explorers about disturbing the waters of the lake. So as not to disturb the serpent, Samuel de Champlain, whom the lake was eventually named after, is often erroneously credited for being the first European to sight champ. But reading of his account showed that he saw something near St. Lawrence River, nevertheless. This account of his sighting is of interest to anyone with interest in lake monsters specifically. He did see something unexplained, but how do you describe it? And not be ridiculed by your peers. But he did his best. He described what he saw like this. There was also a great abundance of many species of fish. Among others, there is one called by the native Karokosu, which is in various lengths, but the largest of them, as the tribes have told me, are from 8 to 10 feet long. I have seen some five feet long, which he says were as big as his thigh in circumference, and had a head as large as his two fists put together, with a snout two feet, maybe two and a half feet long, and a double row of very sharp teeth, dangerous teeth. Its body has a good deal of shape, but is protected by scales of a silvery gray color that is so strong that a dagger could not even pierce it. Now historians feel this is probably a garfish, a class that includes lake sturgeon, which live in Lake Champlain today. Champlain's description of these creatures sound very much like a gar, although the description has them much larger than usual. However, the story changes the Native Americans said that, yes, there are those fish, but there is something longer, something bigger in the lake. It deserves our respect. Champlain didn't quite believe them, so he didn't put too much of that story in his notes. However, something like that had been seen but later on. The next famous account appears in the Plattsburgh Republican newspaper on Saturday, July 24th, 1819. Captain Crum was aboard 
a scowl on the Balwaga Bay the previous Thursday morning when he reported a black monster about 187 feet long with a head that resembled a seahorse that reared up more than 15 feet out of the water. He claimed the monster he saw had three teeth, large teeth, eyes the color of a peeled onion, a white star on its forehead, and a belt of red around its neck. This is a remarkable level of detail concerning an object that was, according to the witness, some 200 yards away, giving you an idea of how massive this must have been. In 1873, it was a busy year for Champ. The New York Times story reported the railroad crew had seen the head of enormous serpent in the lake with bright silvery scales that glistened in the sun. Both the men and the monster parted ways at that point, for the men never returned to the job site to finish what they had started. In July of the same year, Clinton County Sheriff Nathan Mooney reported the enormous snake or water serpent that he thought was at least 25 to 30 feet long. Then in August, the steamship W.B. Eddy encountered Champ, strangely enough by running into it. The ship nearly turned over, according to the tourists on board. Panic ensued. The crew of the ship had to regain control of the emotions of the people, but even they were rattled at what they had seen. After seeing the account of the serpent from all of those tourists on that ship, P.T. Barnum offered a $50,000 reward in 1873, that year, which would be like a million dollars today. And to claim this reward, he wanted the hide of the Champlain Serpent to add to his Mammoth World Fair show. Not really much of a scientist, just one of the skin. Another group sighting came in 1945 when the passengers of the SS Ticonderoga claimed to have seen the creature. There's large gaps in the timeline, but you have to understand, Lake Champlain in those early, early years was not a vacationer's paradise. And I believe the more you have activity on top of the water, the you would think that you'd probably see it more often, but I really do feel that the amount of traffic on the water would keep a creature lower than usual. It doesn't have to come out of the water. It doesn't have to show itself. It knows it's there. Now, we had a more modern time with these sightings. By 1992, sightings totaled 180, with approximately 600 people claiming to have seen Champ all over the lake. Eager children crossing Lake Champlain by ferry often look to the lake to see if they can catch a glimpse of the humps or the head or the body, close or even at a distance. 
just hoping for a sighting. A few people have managed a snapshot of what they claim to be Champ, much like the mystical relative at Loch Ness, Champ sightings and photos are much debated and analyzed. The 20th century saw a new wave of sightings, which numbered and into the double digits each summer and prompted interest from Japanese television, the Today Show, NBC, Unsolved Mysteries, the list goes on and on. In 2003, the Discovery Channel did a special on America's Loch Ness Monster in the wake of the three new sightings by June of that year. Champ has been written about in Discover Magazine and in scholarly journals all over the world. Although many people are skeptical of the sightings, Champ is now protected on both sides of the lake by law. In 1981, Port Henry, New York, declares their waters a safe haven for Champ. In 1982, the state of Vermont passes a House resolution proclaiming, We need to protect Champ. And in 1983, in New York, both the State Assembly and the State Senate passed the resolution protecting the creature. Now, if there's nothing behind this, why would you put so much law in a place? If you were to harm the creature, if it exists, you would face jail time of up to 50 years. That's a lot for an imaginary creature, don't you think? But my question to you, is it really a creature that isn't there? I'm sure some of the sightings of this strange, oversized, monsterish creature have been exaggerated. Even if it is a fish. Even if it is an eel. Can you imagine the size of this? If it's a sturgeon. A sturgeon that large? With that big teeth? Can you imagine the scale of that? Let's think of a sturgeon the size of a school bus. That is massive. A garfish. Now, a garfish is long and skinny. It's silvery and has a large snout with teeth in it. I wouldn't want to be bit by it. But if it's a serpent-like creature, like an eel, that's a little bit terrifying to me. I'm not so much a fan of those. <laughs> I would rather uh, stay out of the water if something like that was coming at me. But today, Champ is celebrated whether he exists or not. In Vermont, a baseball team is known for the lake monster with the Champ mascot. A Champ statue sits outside the water in Port Henry, New York with images of the monster. Looking cheerful and definitely not scary. One of those instances where we tend to cartoon again things that terrify us. We don't want the children to be scared, do we? It'll hurt tourism. 
but we'll certainly make a buck on it and put it on a t-shirt and make some children's books. A historic marker even sits on the shore in Clinton County in honor of everyone's favorite like monster. Wow. So, in comparison to Loch Ness Monster, Lake Champlain Champ tends to be a bit smaller, but very similar in their descriptions. The Native American people here in the United States have said that the creature has been existing in the waters for a very, very long time. But I'm sure it's not the same one. Or is it? Is it a creature that breeds underground and sometimes surfaces into lakes, comes up from the depths of underground and sometimes gets spotted? Or is it a creature from the past? Are there tears in the fabric of time causing a type of portal allowing these creatures to sometimes slip through? I don't know. That's theory. It's not my theory. But it's just interesting how many accounts across the world there are of a creature that is supposed to not exist. I mean, that's just bizarre, isn't it? Isn't it weird that we describe these creatures a lot of the time like plesiosaurs, extinct dinosaurs that shouldn't be around? Why are they here? They were ocean-dwelling creatures, weren't they? How did they get landlocked in a lake? Well, that's a really good question. Now, they've done extensive surveying of Loch Ness. The Loch Ness has a strange bottom formation of it. It is lined with a lot of limestone and quartz. Bet you didn't know that. Well, limestone, quartz, running water, that is a huge conduit for energy. And if near a fault, or does it cross a fault line, that's more energy that can be released into the water. But I've got a different, plausible explanation, maybe. Crazy one. Let's go with crazy one. Because that's what a lot of people think I am half the time. But, follow me on this. We can't find them when we're looking for them. And they only show themselves when we're not expecting it. Crystals and water and limestone line the bottom of Loch Ness, which makes a perfect conduit, in theory, for spirit generation. Helps them manifest. So maybe we are seeing the ghosts of creatures past. Maybe that's what we're seeing. Maybe we're interacting with large aquatic 
spirits. Well, that would kind of make sense to a point if you think about it. Because the same things that we seem to believe is true about the paranormal and the spirit world in humankind also plays a part in other species. Is there animal spirits? Yes, there's animal spirits. Do all animals make a spirit? No, just like not every person haunts a location. But we do release energy. There are specific things that create a ghost. In theory. But, back to champ. Is that what we're seeing? Did you wonder if there's crystal, quartz, and limestone at the bottom of Lake Champlain? Why, yes, there is. It's kind of similar to Loch Ness, isn't it? I don't know. Maybe that's what we're actually seeing. The ghosts of creatures. If that's the case, and if that was ever proven true, that could explain a lot of other things that we feel in our experience in the woods and in nature. You know, it was a mass extinction of creatures when the world died the first time. But it brought new life. So that sort of trauma, just like in people, a trauma or a desire, can hold our energies in place. That was a lot of energy released that time, way before we were here, when the Earth died. when the dinosaurs died. But I always thought, I always thought, wouldn't it make sense if not everything on the planet died? I think it makes sense. So maybe, maybe there are creatures out there that survived that mass extinction, survived those harsh temperatures and massive floods. It's possible. Dwindling the population down so much. If it's a reptilian type of creature, well, reptiles live a very long time. So the larger the reptile, in theory, the longer it should live. Not too long ago, I was at Bush Gardens in Orlando, Florida. And they have a tortoise there. Very large tortoise. Looks like a small car, like a Fiat. <laughs> it's, it's pretty good size for an animal. And it's almost 800 years old. 800 years old. Can you fathom that? 
800 years ago, King John was the King of England. It was the year 1215. The Magna Carta was signed, and to some North America wasn't even a thought yet. So what I'm trying to say is, that tortoise has seen a lot, and is still living and breathing. It's a tortoise that moves slow, but it's moving. So why can't other reptilian creatures, like possibly like monsters, live as long as a tortoise? Are we seeing a type of tortoise? There was a long-necked turtle spotted off the coast of Japan, I believe, just a few years ago. Granted, it was only about eight foot long. But when you take that picture of that strange-looking cousin to the turtle and compare it to Champ or Loch Ness, it looks like a tiny plesiosaur. So give that some thought. If you'd like to see a picture of that, you could go to the Paranormal Conclave Facebook page. I believe it's still on there. But we have such narrow minds when it comes to life and living and death. It seems like such a cruel joke that our lifespans are like flies compared to the world. And we will never seem to learn anything from the previous generation. We don't have a collective consciousness like, like ant colonies. We're too worried about being independent. Our free will at times gets in the way. Our free thinking gets in the way. Not that I would trade that for anything. But we blind ourselves with our own judgments and our need to not believe in anything greater than ourselves. And if we do believe that there is something greater than ourselves, well, that's just the way it is. It doesn't mean that it's paranormal. It's just greater than ourselves. <laughs> you can't have your cake and eat it too, people. You can't believe in in one thing without the other a lot of times. You know, things can live longer than the human species. Living things, shoot, viruses, microbes, they live longer than us. Ice worms live longer than us. It's ridiculous. Yet we think we know everything there is to know about the world. From the day we're born, till, if you're lucky, 90 years later and you die. You haven't learned anything. You've learned maybe a half of a per, half of a half of a percent of something. It's just arrogance that drives our existence, I guess. But it takes just a few of us to be open to the possibilities of other things. What you think if you're open to those possibilities, it'll make your life more rounded and you'll love it a lot more and you won't worry about as much because humanity is the fly to the planet. I mean, we always say flies only live 24 hours, a common house fly. But to 
them it's an entire lifetime. Our entire lifetime is 24 hours to the planet and to other species. They don't care. They've seen us come and go. Do you really think that tortoise from Bush Gardens, Orlando, was like, oh, well, yeah, I'm, I'm used to seeing them. He's not shocked by us. He's seen our kind before. We haven't changed over the centuries. We're still ignorant. We're still keeping things in cages and not believing that the world doesn't revolve around us. So, I guess what I'm trying to say on this episode is we may never know the answers. But, isn't it amazing and wondrous to try and speculate on the possibilities that lay before us that could be discovered? I think it is. And I think you do too. If you didn't, you wouldn't have made it this far on this episode. Which I do have to say, I thank you for joining me. On yet another episode of the Paranormal Conclave. We're going to have some more strange ones. Be forewarned. But I thought it would be nice to talk about Champ. More so than the Loch Ness Monster. I think everybody talks about him. But I really do feel they're the same species. And I think if uh, we could really figure out the science, I think we'd be amazed at what we could discover. See, science always seems to try to want to prove us wrong in our thoughts and beliefs. I can't believe you believe that. I can't believe you, you know, you read that book or you actually think that happened. Well, when science proves the rest of us right, Who's going to have egg on their face? And yet we will sit back comfortably and quietly and smile and go, We know. We got it. Oh, by the way, you wasted all of your time trying to prove me wrong. And now you're dead. What a waste. So, (laughs) sorry for that downer at the end there. But join me next time for another episode of the Paranormal Conclave. I was your host, Rum. And as always...